Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Jumpcast, the podcast from the award-winning team behind Jumpcut Online. My name is Sarah Buttery and I am your host for today and I am joined once again by my fabulous co-host Barry Levitt. Barry, we're at a film uh, <laughs> that we've not been looking forward to talking about but we've, we're here we've anyway. We've talked a lot about how um, the renaissance technically ends with Tarzan. We, I think, made a strong case that it starts with Great Mouse Detective, I'll mention it again, and goes all the way <laughs> to uh, Fantasia 2000, mm-hmm. uh, which was also released in 2000, as well as this film and another, the next film, the 2000 was a big year. Um, and we are at the point where the Renaissance is very gone. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone would argue that this is part of it. Um, it is a curious case for many reasons that will be interesting to talk about. I um, We always talk about, like, before we record, we're like, yeah, this one will be less than 750 hours, and then they never are. But I think this one will be fairly short. I mean, there's only so much you can say about it. But I think it'll be interesting to talk about. Um, Most people, I feel like when they'll see this come up, they'll be like, is that a Disney film? Mm -hmm. And or, I've never heard of that in my life. Um, So yeah, I think it'll be fun. This is, uh, of course, uh, film 39. Uh, 39, look at us go. Uh, It's Dinosaur. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And I I thought that I had not seen this one, but uh, then, as always, uh, official brother of the podcast has a better memory than I do, and not only remembered that I had seen it, but very specifically where we were when, when we had watched it. And apparently, we uh, back when video rentals were a thing, we rented Dinosaur on VHS whilst we were on holiday. Uh, at my nan and granddad's caravan. So <laughs> that was a long time ago. I do not remember seeing it, but this is not the first time I've watched it. I've been reliably informed. So um, yeah, it felt like the first time watching it because I had little to no memory of this film whatsoever. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. But uh, yeah. I saw this <laughs> in the cinema. Whoa. Yeah, one of like eight people in the world. No, it actually made a decent <laughs> amount of money. So it wasn't just me. Um, but yeah, no, I, I remember, I actually remember seeing it in the cinema too, because it was, it was at the time, it was quite spectacular to look at, hmm. uh, for the most part. And I, I remember being pretty amazed by what, I guess I would have been eight, mm-hmm. um, what eight year old me was looking at. And I was, I was pretty floored by it. Um, mm-hmm. today, however, <laughs> uh, slightly less floored and, uh, slightly less bewildered by the magic of it all. Um, <laughs> to say, to say, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Yes, this absolutely feels like a product of its time. And if you saw it at the time, you were probably like, whoa, that's amazing, as you apparently were. And then you immediately forget about it. If you're me as well, you forget the instant that you watched it, that you have seen it. Um, and it isn't sort of one of those ones that sticks with you. But it is a real departure from Disney. This is the first time that we've had uh, sort of entirely computer animated, although it's there's a bit of a caveat with that in this in this film but we'll we'll get into that so it's certainly fascinating to go into and i think what this podcast series has has shown us is that even the films that we're not sort of super hot on or they're not you know one of our all-time favorites we've generally found them interesting to talk about so we'll see uh we'll see how we'll see how we get on with this one i believe in us i think we can uh... it's definitely a special case and i feel like a lot of the more re- in a, a lot of the films in the renaissance i think you know will will appear very high um mm. in a lot of fans and a lot of uh film lovers and disney lovers lists or their own personal favorites and um this this is well you know <laughs> <laughs> the, the dinosaur is probably headed to the the um bottom half 
quite far down on the bottom half. But I think it'll be interesting to talk about. It's it's a definitely an interesting experiment, and and I gotta say, there's a lot of this history behind it, and in, in that it, that is quite fascinating. I hope. Mm. Mm. I, I I trust you. I know you'll have found some interesting <laughs> stuff. So I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to get stuck in. So uh, yeah, kick us off, Barry, with all of the uh, history and fun things that we need to know about dinosaur. Absolutely. Um, so as we have briefly touched on, dinosaur is a particularly unique case, um, as it is the first film on the list of Disney Walt Disney animated classics. Uh, that is a live action slash CGI hybrid. Uh, which is to say that basically all the environments you see in the film are live action and, and were shot in real life. And then all of the dinosaurs, obviously, are not <laughs> real. Uh, and, and all the animals and everything you see, all the effects and all of that are CGI. Um, and speaking of it being unique, it's, it's, there's a couple things that, that set it apart. It is the oldest set uh, Disney film, obviously, it's 65 million years ago, so good luck to any other films competing <laughs> for the oldest set uh, Disney film. This one will definitely win. Um, unless you just make one that's like a black void, which probably wouldn't be that interesting, but you never know. You never know what these people are capable of. Um, and it's interesting because there's a lot of other Disney films that have been live-action animated hybrids um, that aren't in the list, like The Reluctant Dragon, uh, Victory Through Air Power, Mary Poppins, Pete's Dragon, etc., etc. None of those are on the list. Um, but why is Dinosaur? Um, well, there's never been an official statement as to why, because originally when this film was released, it was not part of the the so-called canon in the list. If you go onto the Disney Animation Studios website right now and, and look at the list, you will see it there. Um, but at the time of release, it, it was not. Um, and in fact, it... There has never been an official statement as to why this is the case and, and why on earth this film, not really even made by the same studio, which I'll talk about soon, um, but this blend of live action and CGI would be on the list when none of the others are. Um, and it happened around the time that Tangled was being released in 2010. Uh, and the Tangled marketing campaign was basically very centered on the fact that, this, that Tangled uh, was the 50th animated film. Um, so all of a sudden, <laughs> Dinosaur magically appeared on the list as the 39th film. Uh, and basically, if you have a if you have a poster or any sort of list made before 2009, 2010, uh, you will see the 39th film is The Emperor's New Groove. Um, but in fact, it is now Dinosaur for whatever reason. Um, and <laughs> The Emperor's New Groove has moved to 40. Um, that's probably because selling Tangled is like, it was kind of, well, I mean, they just had a princess film before, but it was kind of like the first big major, I don't know, sort of block. It was the, the most money they had ever spent on a movie, um, Tangled. And I guess they wanted to sell it, and it sounded a lot more exciting to say the 50th animated film than the 49th. Um, although I think 49 is a fun number. You know, there's a very famous movie called The 49th Parallel. It's not like no one's ever heard of the number 49. <laughs> uh, but you know how it is? There's a whole thing with... with um, psychology and numbers and the way people look at them and people like nice round numbers and you know 5 10 15 and people you know if you see like articles celebrating the anniversary or something it's very rarely like the 17th or like the 29th anniversary it's usually the 30th 35th in fives and in zeros no one knows why that number just seems nicer to people i guess so tangled became the 50th dinosaur surprised everyone and appeared out of nowhere at 39 uh like almost a decade after it was made and was never on the list before but it is now so here we are talking about it. 
And there are differences with the U.S. and the U.K. list, which we'll get into right after I, I give you the whole spiel of, of dinosaur history. Um, so in the other big reason, like I just hinted at, is that it wasn't on the list because it wasn't actually made by the same Disney animation studio that had made the previous 38. Although you could argue Mulan didn't either, but Mulan was very much a, still an official like Disney animation studio, and there were people in California who helped make the film as well. Um, but the original f idea for this film came 14 years before it was released, in 1986, uh, when Paul Verhoeven, yes, that's right, the director of RoboCop, Paul Verhoeven, uh, was filming RoboCop and was pitched the idea to do a dinosaur film inspired by the classic Western Shane, uh, released in 1953, which is wonderful. If you are a fan of Westerns, you will love that movie. Uh, very different from this. But the general theme was kind of, you know, like man-tested and, and trying to figure out where to go next in a, in a promise of a safer land. Uh, so in, in essence, that kind of story is still there for this, because that's basically all Dinosaur is about. Um, and a screenplay was written by Waylon Green, who wrote uh, The Wild Bunch, which is extraordinary violent, extraordinarily violent. Um, it's Sam Peckinpah Western from the 60s. It is nothing like Dinosaur, and it is all the better for it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, the original Dinosaur film had plans to be stop motion. Uh, it was really, really dark and really, really violent, and basically all the dinosaurs would wind up dead. Um, and this idea unsurprisingly fell apart for Disney because they wanted something a heck of a lot cuter, and they also wanted to introduce lemurs to make it cuter. Um, and it's worth noting that lemurs absolutely did not exist at this time. Uh, they <laughs> came along far later, but the mammals that did exist um, in the dinosaur era, I think it's the Paleolithic era, but I'm, I'm bad at this stuff, so don't, don't yell at me. Um, but the the mammals that did exist at this time uh, were generally considered to be very hideous indeed, uh, and probably not as suitable in terms of cuteness and selling merch as the lemurs were. So unsurprisingly, Paul Verhoeven uh, <laughs> ran away. Um, the original screenplay was kind of abandoned, although you'll see in the credits of this that it's 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 still credited as like the original inspired by the screenplay by by Waylon Green. Um, so that idea fell apart and. The project went through a bunch of different ideas and a bunch of different directors uh, through the late 80s, early 90s, uh, including Thomas G. Smith, David W. Allen, and George Scribner, who we've talked about quite a bit, um, and eventually landed on Ralph Sondag and Eric Leighton, who, to be fair, and no offense to them, you probably haven't heard of them because this is, well, one of them has a credit for a different animated dinosaur movie called We're Back. Um, and this film, and then the other uh, just has this film credited. So they've never directed a movie after this. Um, so this is their, their one-time gig. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. In 1996, however, Disney acquired the visual effects studio DreamQuest Images, uh, which kind of started as like a, a in a garage, like a few friends making things, one of those amazing stories. of, And eventually they, they worked on certain special effects for films like E.T., um, and they were acquired by Disney. And they were merged with um, Disney's own computer graphics department that is, has been responsible for the CGI in all the films we've been talking about recently. Uh, and they formed, they kind of merged together to form what Disney would call the Secret Lab, uh, which was announced officially in 1999. And the Secret Lab was never designed to be an animation studio, uh, but rather kind of a more robust and an advanced approach to their visual effects department. Uh, and they would work on visual effects in animation, but they would also be doing all the um, visual effects in Disney live-action films. Um, however, they did produce dinosaurs. So 
again, this is this this was not made. The studio was also in Burbank, but it was not made um, by the studio in in California that has made all the others. Which is why, if you look through the credits, you will be hard pressed to find a single name that you would remember from looking at all the other Disney films. One of my things I really enjoy doing is is kind of picking out names and be like, oh, I know, I've seen this name so many times, and then seeing what else they've worked on. Not this time though, <laughs> uh, because this is a very different group of people. Um. So 48 animators worked on the film, uh, and David Krentz, who had um, aspired to be a paleontologist when he was younger, uh, had a pretty cool opportunity, and he supervised the character design and the visual development teams on the film. Uh, And the live-action photography units, uh, again, this is the first Disney film that had that, um, or at least the first film on this list, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but they would film in actual beach, jungle, and desert locations, including California, Hawaii, Florida as well as Australia, Jordan, Venezuela, and Samoa. So they went all over for this film. Uh, and the only sequence um, in th- that the environment is also CGI, as well as the animals, or the dinosaurs, and lemurs, because those are the only animals, um, was the sequence in the cave. So everything else, the, the backgrounds were shot by um, real people in their real places. Uh, and the music was by, the score was by James Newton Howard, an eight-time Oscar nominee, who really should have won by now, but that's a whole other thing. Um, and Kate Bush, the legendary musician, actually recorded a song for the film that was supposed to play um, around the time, like right after the the sort of, you know, Meteor Strike, Big Bang kind of thing. And then it was going to be like a what do we do now kind of song, you know, like an emotional like power ballad of sorts. Um, but audiences did not respond to it in test screenings. So they asked her to rewrite it. And she said, absolutely not. Um, so it was removed from the film and pulled from the soundtrack. So I'm guessing besides the people who were involved in the film and the um, the test screening people that no one else has actually heard uh, the song. So uh, this joins a very few number of Disney songs with no songs at all. Um, and Dinosaur ended up doing fairly well at the box office, unsurprisingly, since there's so much uh, CGI in this film. It's the most expensive movie they'd made to that point. Uh, with a $127.5 million budget, which is kind of crazy to think that just 20 years earlier, they were making all their films on like $4 million. Um, but here we are. And it earned about $348 million worldwide. So it is a fairly decent success. Um, and actually, there was a whole dinosaur section of the Animal Kingdom Park in Disney World in Florida um, that opened as a result of this, which remains quite popular. Um, so interestingly enough, Dinosaur actually has a bigger um, theme park presence than quite a few Disney classics. Um, so perhaps in the end, since it's not really a film anyone knows now, and again, you know, probably the people looking through this, like looking through the podcast and being like, what is Dinosaur? Did Disney <laughs> make that? I've never heard of this. Someone help. Um, it was probably destined to be a forgotten experiment. However, 20 years later, since it is on the official Walt Disney Animated Studio Classics list of the 58, here we are, Sarah. <laughs> here we are, yes. Uh, and absolutely delighted about that uh, decision to add it in uh, <laughs> later than uh, later that after it came out. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I think that, like you said, when people sort of see this film on our list, they might be a bit like, what why when who um and yeah there is uh differences between the uk and the us list as well which we've we've briefly mentioned so we are going by the us list so just in case anyone gets confused obviously we are here now talking about dinosaur um we will not be covering the wild 
um and we will be covering uh 2011 mm-hmm. Winnie the Pooh um yep. which thank goodness uh because <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I know you love that film and um I sure do it's just it is a little frustrating that there's differences between them because I've spoken uh, on previous episodes that I am collecting the uh, the sort of special shiny slipcases of the Disney Classics Blu-ray mm-hmm. um, collection that they do in the UK. And I am one away from a full set now, by the way, just to, um, which is Ooh. very exciting because we're coming up to a year since I started collecting them as well. Yeah. So that'll be exciting to get to that milestone. But it's very frustrating as I look over at my shelf now and... It goes straight from Fantasia 2000 to Emperor's New Groove, but alas, I have to wait another week to watch Emperor's New Groove. Um, I wasn't gonna buy The Wild because I'm just really bitter about the fact that the UK include it, um, but I'm also a completist and I wanted the full, <laughs> the full set, so I yeah. do have it, um, which is annoying. So what, but, what's missing? Uh, the only one I do not have yet is Meet the Robinsons. Oh. Um I'm not okay. sure why that's the last <laughs> the last one I've acquired. The um, last one you can find. Yeah, I've I've been getting them in quite initially just quite a random order and sort of buying my favorites and I had a lot where I had the Blu-rays already and I just needed the slips. Um so was collecting those. Um so I sort of had the beginning and the end of the collection and then was filling in all the ones in the middle and was trying to go in podcast order as well so that I had the blu-ray ready to watch when we got to it but mm. yeah just just one more to get so i'm sure i can um i'm sure by the time we, we watch it which is a couple months away you will be you'll be ready yeah yeah <laughs> i will be ready but yeah this this is uh it's an odd it's an odd film and i think it's worth mentioning this sort of difference between the lists as well just in case people um are a little bit confused about why we're talking about it there is a reason it is canon um but also, yeah I, I will i will yeah. say the the uk list is especially absurd um mm. and i don't understand why it's different it might just be that dinosaur and winnie the pooh did not get blu-ray releases in the uk so they just didn't feel like including them in that number um yeah but where the uk gets off making this list when they <laughs> they did not make any of these films and where they get off deciding that the the, the official um quote-unquote canon and list produced by if you go onto the walt disney animation studio website and you look at their list of films it's very clear that there are 58 mm-hmm. um in that dinosaur and, and winnie the pooh are included um and you know that that change to add dinosaur happened kind of like a, before blu-rays so or around the time blu-rays were starting so they had plenty of time to change it but there as far as i know there is no there's definitely no winnie the pooh blu-ray and i don't think there is a dinosaur one either so i'm guessing the uk list difference is purely because those don't exist so they can't mm. market them the same way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's but very I, annoying i don't know it, it doesn't make any sense so we're ignoring the uk list because the wild by the way similar to dinosaur is also not was not made it was distributed by disney but it was not made by um, the Disney studio, but you could argue that Dinosaur kind of is because, you know, half of the Secret Lab company that was owned by Disney, it was still a Disney company technically, it's just not made by the same studio, but the computer graphics people from that studio were involved in that. So you can argue that there were people still involved. Um, so I guess you could make more of an argument than something like The Wild, but mm-hmm. here we are. And uh, we we have no choice but to cover it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, look, okay. Um, there were like the original plans for this movie seem a lot more exciting than what we got and 
the the general kind of push at the beginning with to make this a film with pretty much no dialogue um mm. and it would be more or less entirely silent and it would feel almost like a realistic sort of movie about dinosaurs and they were going to actually one thing i think i skipped over although you can laugh if i've already said this a few minutes ago but <laughs> basically they were kind of getting ready to make this and then they saw jurassic park um and realized that they should wait until they could also make it digitally and kind of do dinosaurs justice mm. um, because everyone was kind of blown away by jurassic park and also it kind of reaffirmed that they should make the project even though they had shelved it so many times because it just wasn't working but you know when they saw how much money jurassic park made uh, they were like, we can we can really go ahead with this. People want dinosaurs. Mm. Um, so, you know, ultimately they did. It made 350 or so million dollars. It's not like it, w- it was not a failure by any means. Um, but it's definitely not something that's marketed today. And certainly it was the 20th anniversary last year and I did not see a thing. Um, <laughs> nope. Not a peep, not a whisper of any sort of uh, marketing toy tie-in nothing at the disney Mm. store was silent the disney was silent as far as they're concerned this film basically doesn't even exist however it is part of the list so here we are and uh where do we where where should we start sarah yeah i i was just just adding to that is that if you're also the 20th anniversary seems like the perfect time to i don't know bring it out on blu-ray or something or or you know, Disney can pretty much do whatever they want. If they want to put a really big push behind this film and bringing it absolutely. into people's attention again or making a big fuss over it, they could absolutely absolutely do it and people would buy it. Like, if they if they did, you know, bring out this sort of sparkly Blu-ray special edition thing, like, I'd, I'd maybe buy it because I'm a bit of a... <laughs> like I said, I'm a bit of a completist when it comes to... Yeah. When it comes to owning the full set, but yeah, it, it's it's so strange that that is the attitude that Disney have towards this film. Almost like they had to include it because of the situation they found themselves in. So now they're just sort of like really brushed it under the carpet. And I think maybe the best place to start is with how the film looks and the animation, because I think that this is something that we've mentioned a lot in previous episodes. I mean, really since. Uh, Black Cauldron, I guess, is the first sort of film where you really notice the inclusion of uh, computer-generated animation. It, you know, it's t- used to greater or lesser extent from then onwards, really. And yep. this, it, to find a positive in this film, and there are a couple, um, <laughs> but to find a positive in this film, it does feel like quite a landmark achievement when we consider what we've seen leading up to this point do i think it looks amazing no are there parts of it that look that look good yeah but also i think just seeing this as the as the point where disney really fully fully embraced that technology and yes the you know the environments are live action but i think for the most part the blend of the two it works better than i thought it would it doesn't it doesn't look like these characters are completely removed from their environments. There's some bits that look a, a little off and a bit sort of noughties CGI, but that's when mm-hmm. this film was made, so it's to be expected. And yeah, do you have any, yeah thoughts on on how the film looks generally and the animation and and the yeah, style uh, of it? I think it looks pretty spectacular for the most part. Mm. Um, 
I think the I I actually I forgot watching it that they were um like live action environments because I think mm-hmm. the it's blended together unbelievably well. Yeah. Um, and I was quite floored. I I kind of had a moment like because I knew because I I I've seen this unfortunately multiple times before. <laughs> Uh, and I remember reading that, you know, it, it was a blend. But while I was watching it earlier, I, I was completely kind of transfixed by the way it, it looked and only mm. by the way it looked, I should note, um, because I think it, it the, the environments are spectacular. And it's not a surprise that they're they're real uh, because they look real. Um, and for the most part, yeah, I think it does work really well. I think the general designs of the dinosaurs are pretty impressive as well. Mm. Um, a bit less so when you get too close to some of their faces. Um, I think the real problem in terms of the way it looks is the lemurs. Uh, yeah. And again, lemurs, I can't stress this enough. According to science, uh, we're <laughs> not there. Uh, mm. Did not exist. Um, th- this is to my research anyway. As far as I'm aware, if there's some, like, some, you know someone's listening who's, like, super passionate about lemurs. And they're like, they've stopped it. They're like, I'm never listening to this nonsense again. <laughs> Fake news. Um, so apologies. But I'm pretty sure, from what I have read anyway, lemurs were not around. Uh, mm. And... There was nothing cute around, like you know. This is, I kind of was surprised when I was in the first five six minutes. I think the lemurs appear in the seventh minute, which is also when dialogue starts, mm. uh, which is pretty impressive of Disney to go on for. I mean, seven minutes is not short. That's a long time to go in a movie with an. It's probably like seventy five minutes if you ignore the credits. Um, for the basically the first ten percent of this movie is silent except for a, a narration at the beginning. Uh, and I was kind of blown away because. D- d- dinosaurs aren't cute. They're, they don't have a. That's not what they're known to be. You, I can't think of a single Disney film, uh, up to this point that has nothing cute in it, or like no element of something that's designed to be cute. You know what I mean? Like every mm-hmm. like it's a, it's kind of a staple of, of not all animation, but certainly it's definitely a staple of Walt Disney animation to have, um, adorable, lovely things to look at. Um, they're not necessarily always the main characters. Sometimes they're, they're sidekicks or, or the environments are cutesy or whatever. But the idea of cute and, and cuteness is very essential to the Disney product and the Disney brand. That's how they sell so much merchandise because the stuff is just so pretty to look at that you want to have it on your own shelf. And you want to cuddle a flounder, ugh, if you're insane, or a piglet <laughs> or um, an Abu or a genie or whoever. You know, th- th- these characters are or a Baloo. Um, or a Marie, whatever, I can go on forever. But, you know, these characters are designed to be adorable. So I was kind of blown away because the dinosaurs don't look adorable. They look like you would expect dinosaurs to look like. Mm. And, you know, I, 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 I should note, we'll talk about it a lot, but this film, plot-wise, is exceptionally forgettable. Yeah. Um, so I, I had no real memory of what the story was about. I just remembered there was a really impressive, like, sequence of the meteor shower, in which we'll talk about because I think it's a real standout. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, that's pretty much all I remember, and I kind of forgot there were lemurs. So here I am being like, wow, they're really taking, like, an exciting risk here. Um, mm-hmm. just, like, telling a story about dinosaurs that aren't really designed to be cute, but, like, look like authentic dinosaurs. And then come the lemurs. Um, mm. some of which look okay and are kind of cute. And then some are hideous. Um, Yar, um, apologies to, I mean, Aussie Davis is great voice work, but Yar is the old, like, man lemur, and he is hideous. Um, and then there is Zini, who is also very ugly to look at, um, and we'll, t- we'll, we'll have a whole moment for him, because that is a particularly unique character, and I have a very strong opinion on that he is the most something, which we'll talk about, I'll, I'll keep the suspense, um, in Disney history. Um, yeah. so he, Zini holds a special place, uh, in my mm-hmm. heart for yeah, we'll we'll get there. Um, but yeah, overall, I think the animation is is impressive. I think it has issues, as would any early CGI film. Mm. Um, I don't want to say it's 
better looking than Toy Story. But if I'm comparing it to like another landmark kind of CGI film, I, th- I think it does look a bit. It looks a bit sharper than than Toy Story, not Toy Story Two, which was actually earlier than this. I think that looks better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this was their way of of kind of holding ground with Pixar, and Pixar was was crushing it all of a sudden. And you know, by the way, when A Bug's Life came out as their second film, that's when DreamWorks started with Ants. So there were two like major studios at uh, one a bit more established both new but but both making a lot of money so you have the situation where you're making hand-drawn films all the time and then all of a sudden these two big rival animation companies have shown up and they're producing everything in cgi mm-hmm. um so you kind of snap in and you're like okay look we need to be on this as well like they're making tons and tons of money like we want in on the action and we don't want to be overshadowed um so they made dinosaur and i think if you compare those like early films like ants and 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 shrek uh and toy story and a bug's life i think this is one of the better looking ones of those i think it's definitely better looking than shrek and ants mm. um and i think it's generally better looking i mean it's it's hard to say because there's toy story in this have a completely different visual palette so it's kind of like comparing two completely different things um but i think there's there's aspects of this that look really sharp and really impressive yeah, I I don't know if I'm as hot on the animation style and how it looks as as you are. I did have some moments where I was just kind of like, oh, that 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 doesn't look that good. But I admit that there are moments, and I think that it's very different. It's very difficult, sorry, to compare it to other animated films of the time and the ones you mentioned because there is a real effort made in this to make them look realistic like you said and and toy story is you know not that there is about animated toys so they can kind of you know be a bit more exaggerated and a bit more cartoony whereas in this they have tried at least to make them look very realistic it's weird because we kind of get a reverse of this many many years later with uh pixar's the good dinosaur where mm-hmm. they make the dinosaurs look exceptionally cartoony like yeah over the top cartoony and the backgrounds are this like gorgeous photorealistic animation <laughs> so yeah. we have like in this the 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 real backgrounds uh you know real places real photography and then the animated dinosaurs put on on top of that but yeah it's uh, i don't know it's there are there are moments and i think the like the meteor shower like you mentioned does look particularly good um but i felt that the the characters when you get too close up you lose a little bit of the emotion and depth and everything else just because like we we sort of said this in our uh about the lion king live action yes i was just i was just i was waiting Waiting in the wings yeah like the the more (laughs) the more realistic you try and make something look the harder it is to then get that character to try and emote without it looking yep. weird and sometimes it just it just doesn't get that balance quite right and i was a little bit taken aback when the dinosaurs started talking because i think i'd just remembered in my head that the that the monkeys spoke but the dinosaurs didn't um mm-hmm. and i i the first sort of until the lemurs came in really and the talking started i was really quite enjoying the first you um, start so well yeah like so this so it's silent it's the the score is gorgeous we'll talk lots about the score because one of my favorite parts about the film um the animation looks really good you're sort of following the journey of of this um egg as it is uh, separated from its mother and then sort of ends up 
you know, being carried by various dinosaurs across until it mm-hmm. gets to the island for the lemurs. And that whole bit, I, I yeah, I was quite, I was sort of like, oh, I've made this film isn't going to be that bad. Um, and then the talking. <laughs> and then the talking starts and I was like, ooh, I don't, I don't love this. But um, yeah, we've, we've, we've mentioned this meteor shower, so we can talk about that bit in particular, as I think that's one of the strongest yeah let's start let's start well i mean we haven't started very strong but let's 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 go strong before we before we uh devour this film um so it's it's what's i think what's so great about that sequence of course it's it's extremely well known in history it's taught in i i assume every school i mean i i can't say um but you would think so because it definitely happened um and it's one of the few things that definitely (laughs) happened in the world that you know everyone should know about um but basically, you know, it's kind of that moment when dinosaurs became extinct, and except in this movie, you know, they, they're kind of, basically the plot of dinosaur, actually, did you read the IMDb? Um, um I did not, but I can do that now. Um, do it. An orphaned dinosaur raised by lemurs joins an arduous trek to a sanctuary after a meteorite shower destroys his family home. There you go. Um, <laughs> so basically, these are, you know, it's quite a it's strange because it's such a grim story mm. um but told with that disney lens and i think that's the kind of problem but we'll we'll get there the meteor shower in particular is basically right before all of these dinosaurs most of which have just kind of perished but the ones that are left are trying to find a sanctuary um so they can hopefully continue to live for at least as long as as long as possible um and the whole film is basically their struggle to survival. But but this is so exciting because it feels like straight out of a disaster movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's filmed really well. And it and it really does feel like horrible things are happening to these characters. These are some of the highest stakes that Disney has ever had. Um, you know, usually a lot of the times it's like, oh, I want to get married. Or I want to get married. Or sometimes it's even, I want to get married. But then occasionally <laughs> it's, I want to get married. Um, but here... <laughs> You have, you know, the the destruction of the entire planet, and and it actually happened. It's not like a, a baseless threat of some villain being like, "I want to control the world." That never actually happens. This destruction is here. It is mm. happening in front of their eyes, um, and it's this like slapdash, mad panic uh, that's filmed exceptionally well and and really feels straight out of like an authentic quality disaster movie. Um, so kudos to kudos to them because it, it appears like when they're watching the meteor shower, it's they've never seen anything like it and it looks so beautiful to them, um and it you know it goes to show that as been told many times throughout storytelling the things that seem the most beautiful can be the most dangerous, um and it's this kind of switch moment where all of a sudden this thing that's creating so much beauty and in, in awe is the very thing that's going to destroy them all. Uh, and it's a really well handled sequence. It's well shot. It's well animated. It's it's very much a standout. Um, which is unfortunate because it's about 20 minutes in and then everything that <laughs> happens after it is not very good at all. Yeah, <laughs> the thing I really like about the this sort of meteor shower moment is that it sort of builds it up quite gradually as well. It's sort of like a few smaller bits and like you said, they're watching it and, and quite in awe of it and then it sort of escalates from there, but it's not a threat that just appears out of nowhere it's a really good and effective way of sort of building the tension of us sort of being like is this is this good or is this bad and like we are in the same position as the characters because we're quite captivated by it and then suddenly Mm -hmm. we see this huge explosion it creates this this massive wave as well and this they're sort of knocked backwards as well and it's really it's quite scary and it's very intense and it's 
very very well done and i yeah gosh i should have realized that this was going to be the peak of the film and it was all downhill from here because um <laughs> boy does it go downhill from here um so this the the plot if we can call it that i'll pop air quotes around it because i mean wait the thing is what you said <laughs> in the imdb synopsis is the whole movie yeah not only is it the whole movie but there's also a better movie that uses this plot and it's called the land before time so if you want also shane the movie it's originally based on also yeah. hundreds of other stories about people trying to find a better place to live but yes the land before time <laughs> is a good example because it's about dinosaurs yeah it's it, it felt almost shamelessly ripped off from that at one point and i was like is this like disney getting their like bitter revenge because don bluth left them <laughs> left them is this yeah, like, is this, this what it's long... come to well you know what it's possible though because what um land before time came out in 1988 and they mm -hmm. started the very idea for this in 1986 so it's not unreasonable that uh around mm. the time you know and they, that was a big success for them and it did better than well it was um it was quite a battle with um whatchamacallit oliver and company to see which one of them would do better and disney does not like losing mm -hmm. um they were the I mean, you can still, you could argue certainly that they still are, um, <laughs> but for basically from 1937 to the 1980s, they were uh, undisputed and no one was really challenging them. Mm. Um, so all of a sudden this challenger comes in in the late 80s and, and they probably did not care why, well, I don't need to say, probably they hated that. Mm. Um, they had, they were undisputed champions for 50 years and then all of a sudden someone comes along to challenge them. So, and that was a big success. So yeah, I, I would, I would say with confidence that they uh, did some, well, uh, borrowing <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure from uh from the land before time for sure and i mean the thing is there's only so many unless you just ignore what happened to dinosaurs there are only so many stories you can tell about them you mm -hmm. either go long before the um meteor meteor shower and or you go after or you go during um there's really you know there's only so many places you can go with them because we all know how the dinosaur existence ends mm. Yeah, exactly. And this this chooses, I guess, a sort of alternative timeline where it's like it happens, but some of them survive. But everything and... worked out great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything works out just fine. But the thing is, the enough sort of things in this film happen to keep it going at quite a pace, and it is really short as well. But my word is this film boring it's just like agonizing it's so and i get it, it the, the whole plot of this film is them taking this like it says it in the imdb description it's an arduous trek it was an arduous trek for me to watch this film it... <laughs> oh, Sarah, that is a perfect way of putting it because honestly me too it it is not long yeah. um in fact it's only a few minutes longer, you know, runtime than than Fantasia 2000. But man, oh man, it's Fantasia 2000. And our next film, <laughs> which I adore, um, Ember's New Groove, is around the same time as well. And, and none of them feel anywhere near as long as this because they just have so much more going on. Mm -hmm. This is, this is, you know, they're, this whole film is, okay, if you chart, like, geographically what's happening, they're walking in a straight line. Mm -hmm. There's the whole movie. <laughs> they walk in a straight line you know they're just like there's a few lefts and rights but but generally speaking this is a we're going from point a to point b there are, there aren't really any interruptions on the way nope i think that's the that's one of the problems and the other problem is that disney is trying to disney all over one of the most tragic stories in history <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> 
Disney and all to... over the place. <laughs> yeah, they just can't stop Disneying. They're 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 Disney over here, Disneying over there. Like they, it's crazy. They're they're trying to turn this, uh, objectively, objectively, it is not subjectively, objectively tragic story about an entire species being wiped out mm. into like this beautiful tale of of survival and and fun and and the third worst or maybe I'm not ranking them, but the other the third thing that makes this horrible is the. Disney trying to shove some romance in like they love to do. They <sighs> sometimes yeah. are not sometimes. Well, actually, yes, yeah, sometimes they're not always their worst own worst enemy, but sometimes they certainly are. And it's often prevented them from reaching the level they should. Um, a great example is my beloved Hunchback, our beloved Hunchback of Notre Dame mm-hmm. that throws in gargoyles and completely derails the whole movie. Who knows what fun, fun and fancy free would have been like if they just got right to the ja- great Jack and the Beanstalk short instead of making us, um, look at puppets that you probably see in prison and in nightmares before you die. Um, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes they just can't help themselves and they want to make everything feel that extra bit cute and fun mm. when it isn't needed and you don't need that. If I would have loved to see um, <laughs> Paul Verhoeven doing this would be so cool, can I just say. <laughs> um, and I would love to see what um, would have happened if they took a real risk and went darker and more violent because there is like blood and gore in this mm-hmm. when they go up to the one um bruton yeah um he's been like fully like maimed by the the enemy um carnotaurs um i fully thought they were t-rexes i was devastated to hear that they were carnotaurs which i <laughs> actually i don't think i'd ever heard of outside of this movie but they are real dinosaurs so mm. just because the lemurs didn't exist all the dinosaurs were real dinosaurs um yep. from that time so that's cool at least you know thumbs up for that <laughs> Um, but they just they just can't help it sometimes, you know, and they, mm. they do things like they shoehorn in romances that don't make any sense for the story and that no one has asked for. Like, I'm sorry, when I was watching this, I was not thinking in like this story of these dinosaurs desperately trying to find survival. I wasn't like, but is but is poor Aladar going to fall in love? <laughs> I don't think Aladar cares. Aladar just doesn't want everyone around him, including himself, to die. <laughs> but they can't help themselves. They have to shoehorn in romances. They have to shoehorn in like cutesy lemurs, which are not cute. Um, they have to shoehorn in all this stuff that you just you can tell a really interesting story about dinosaurs trying to survive and failing. I think that would be like emotionally resonant. I think mm. it would be powerful, and I think it would be something that people would remember. I think if they did that, it may not have made as much money at the box office because kids would probably be quite traumatized. However. It's a film that I think now people would want to talk about and be like, this is a really exciting, in history, I think history would have been much kinder to it because you'd look back and you'd see, look at this really bold experiment that they tried. Mm-hmm. It didn't necessarily work, but like, wow. And that, then they probably would have a 20th anniversary because people would want it. Yeah. But people don't want it because this film is not good. And and I say that very generously. Let's, let's rephrase. This is a bad movie. Mm-hmm. This is, it's technically impressive, but lacks everything that makes disney so special while still trying to incorporate everything that makes disney so special it's it's quite a fascinating failure Mm. it's it's jarring to say the least i think to to see all of those elements that we are so familiar with and we are especially familiar with now because we've watched you know this is the 39th Film. 39 <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I to check then. Um, 20 to go because 59 <laughs> will be before we finish this is true yeah <laughs> so yeah the 39th disney film that we've watched so so we know the things to expect at this time and this film has those things but yeah it 
I wish that it didn't and I'm completely with you I wish this film had just had the guts to go there and I also think it would have been considerably better as a short and I think they should have gone with it being wordless as well it's admittedly hard to do a film that's aimed at at children that has no dialogue in it I mean Wally does it pretty successfully for more than half of the film but it yeah. does then introduce dialogue so I I get that that's I, a... although I I will say just to be on record because we're not talking about Pixar in this Wally would be one of the best films ever made if they just stayed silent the whole time but this, alas, yeah. it's still it's still my favorite Pixar it's fine don't worry um but yeah <laughs> anyway but you're, but, you're, but yeah that's a good example because they're both you know yeah wild. I mean obviously it came up uh, eight years only eight years later mm-hmm. um but that's another one that like could have been even better if they just stayed with the kind of revolutionary thing they were doing and they just they just decided no yeah make it make it dark make it short and make it dialogue free and then i think we could talk and then i think it would still it would still be this this interesting thing even if it was a failure it certainly would have been an interesting experiment i mean we pretty uh you know well concluded that the black cauldron was a failure but boy is it a fascinating failure and a really interesting film to discuss because it was disney doing something completely outside of themselves making a film aimed at you know teenage boys who were into fantasy and you know it's a real big swing and a miss but it felt like this film wanted to be that and then they were just like nope let's make it this uh cute film for four-year-olds i think a, a young child would probably still get a kick out of this but it's it really doesn't have a lot going for it and i think the if i was to boil down my my problems with this film into into two things um it would be the shoehorned in romance which i think is just so crass and doesn't work at all for the film um and then i just want to say collectively the lemurs but i i think just the the overall tone of it and the just yeah the the lemurs are terrible and i i dislike almost all of them um <laughs> it's some good Shall we, some... let's let's um let's 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 talk about their romance a bit yes because in all, all i mean all i really want to say is how dare you bring juliana margulies in the, <laughs> the legend the icon herself and and relegate her to this female dinosaur with literally no personality because they haven't given her one mm. um and her only her only thing is that she follows her brother who's like kind of the villain but like all he's trying to do is save everyone but we'll we'll talk about the villain as we always do um and her basically her only thing is that she follows her brother and and like the moment she sees aladar even though she calls him like a jerkosaurus like she's totally into him and that's her whole personality mm-hmm. yeah how dare they Use use a nobody. Use just like someone. Use just someone who's like who works there and be like, hey, do you want to voice this? It's a it's a nothing role. Mm. And that's I think that's another thing with this film is is that no one really has a personality, so it's really hard to care about any of them because Mm. I think they were so concerned with making dinosaurs look great, and I I do think for the most part they succeed at that. Just like the Lion King succeeds, the live action remake succeeds at making beautiful photorealistic animals. They Mm -hmm. do that. The problem is they don't really have an emotional core and they're really difficult to identify with and feel anything for. Mm. Yeah. I'm I'm completely with you there. I think it's just it just doesn't it just doesn't it doesn't work and we're right back where we were 
with you know some of the problems we, we had with earlier disney films where a, a female character's entire purpose reason for existing in a film is to be the love interest and we've I thought we'd come away from that. I really did. Oh, this film is such a monumental step backwards. Yeah, huge. <laughs> like this is, it's like, almost up there with like Vixie and Fox and the Hound for like just being. The I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think they might be like honestly the, the females in this, or at least like Nira, who is who's Juliana Margulies and and the the main interest lo- main love interest in this is basically Miss Bunny. Like she might as well say nothing. <laughs> Uh, but Miss Bunny, you know, in her like few seconds of screen time, has more personality and more charm. Mm-hmm. It's 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 rude. It's disrespectful <laughs> to Julianne Markley. It, it, it's it's just baffling to me. But it's it's um this this film once the lemurs appear, everything goes drastically downhill, and then there's a peak again with the um meteorite shower, and then it, then the rest of it just just tanks. But the the, the lemurs are really into like romantic pairings. Uh, and they like to spout lots of um, very retro, outdated ideas, which I'm pretty sure were outdated in 2000, mm-hmm. um, about love and and male-female relationships. Um, but then I thought, you know, this film is based 65 million years ago. So maybe it's <laughs> like a way... I'm des- I was desperately trying to give it credit because <laughs> we were still early on. And I was like, I've got another hour at least of this movie to sit through. Um, so I might as well try and think positively about it, because I'm trying a new thing this year where I think positively about things, <laughs> but I gave up pretty quickly. Um, so I figured, you know, look, if they're saying these antiquated ideas, maybe they're saying that because this is 65 million years old, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think, I'm, I think I'm giving them way too much credit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I guess brings us to um, one of the lemurs. Um, yeah. Okay. His name is, his name is Zini, Z-I-N-I. Uh, if you're curious and don't want to watch this film and just want to Google who this character is, he is quite awful to look at, if I if I say so myself. Um, and he's kind of that, like, he's kind of like a pickup artist who are, like, the the most reprehensible people on Earth. Um, or, you know, close to it. There's probably some who are technically worse, but they're pretty horrible. Um, <laughs> who's basically, like, his only position in this film is to, like, uh, which is weird for a Disney movie, but it really his only thing is to get laid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like that's all he's there for. All he's there is to to not even. I don't think he cares about romance. All he's interested in is is a female lemur. Literally any female lemur. Thankfully, none of them are interested in him uh, until a horrible decision in the end, where there's like eight female lemurs all around him, like desperate for him, which is horrifying. Um, mm-hmm. in a in a real a real error. Um, but yeah. I'm 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 willing to say it, Sarah. I'm gonna make a statement, and I have a feeling you agree with me. Mm-hmm. Zini, Zini, Zini. Don't care. I already forgot how you say it. He is, without a doubt, in the... <laughs> I'm going to say... I'm going to jump ahead to Rhea and the Last Dragon. I'm going to say in all 59 Disney movies, he is the single most annoying character I have ever seen. <laughs> in in Disney. There's probably more annoying characters yeah. in, in film. But in Disney, of these 50... I'm, again, I'm including Rhea. I have not seen it. I don't care. I don't need to see it to know that there was no one in that film more annoying than Zinni. Zinni. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I completely agree with you i could not stand this character and they give him so much screen time as well like an unnecessary amount of screen time and i think as you were talking about him there and his sort of character trait as all he wants to do is get laid basically which is uncomfortable to say the least but 
to, yeah, to... because it, it's just pervy. Like it's not like yeah. he's not like trying to roam. He's not trying to be genuine. He's just gross. No, uh, to make a comparison with uh, another film that sort of came out a- around the same time, actually, um, he's basically the stiffler of this film. So, uh, <laughs> not can you imagine them making dinosaur and being like, yeah, American Pie is a real like focus point for us. <laughs> yeah, we wanna we wanna create a Lima who basically is uh the if stifler was a lemur uh it would be this it would be this guy right here pretty much except stifler is a lot more bearable yeah <laughs> i just i had so many problems with this with this character and i think the way it sort of portrays him in the beginning i think you're supposed to you're supposed to like him because they have this whole sequence with all the the lemurs um sort of the the males are getting their pep talk and the females are getting their pep talk it's all very uh, aggressively heteronormative um and then they sort of all go up into the trees and they perform this sort of like little mating ritual where they're swinging through the trees with flowers and stuff and it's all quite sweet and i think at, like at that point you're meant to like feel slightly sorry for for zini because he's like the only one who doesn't like end up with a little monk uh lemur Lady Which friend. can I say? The fact that he doesn't is one of the great aspects of this movie. <laughs> I was just about to but, say, but then, fair but enough. then they throw that all away in the end. They throw that all away. Yeah, and and like, they're like, you can be disgusting and get lots of love. Why? What does he say at the end as well? He says something really gross, like, uh, "Monkey and like, do, should we play like monkey in the middle or something like that?" What Any is... of you ladies up for a game of monkey in the middle? <laughs> I wrote a and then and then I wrote, "Why didn't Zini die?" I think I just wrote. I just did like a vomit emoji in my notes and I couldn't remember what it was it was for, but I think it's that. <laughs> yeah, because I, oh. I, at some point I wrote like, at least all the ladies hated Zini, so I guess gross pickup lines are destined to fail. So maybe this is actually super positive. Um, and then they completely reverse that at the end uh, because they all love his, and again, I'll read it again because it's shocking. <laughs> they the, There's like six, seven lemurs around him, like really into him for some reason. Mm-hmm. Probably because he's the only male. Um, but they're like, and he says, any of you ladies up for a game of monkey in the middle, which is gross. Um, and also probably the only threesome joke in Disney history. So that's something. <laughs> I, I guess his film can wear that badge of honor. <laughs> Thumbs up. Congrats. He is Here's your award. He is Stifler. This is, this is only adding weight yeah, to he's, my Yeah, he's grotesque. But the thing is, like, Stifler makes sense in that movie because that movie is exclusively about sex and that's yeah. fine because that's what that is this movie is about dinosaurs desperately trying to not perish so you know i i'm not sure if it fits here um there's another horrible zini moment um it, it actually well i guess it, it'll tie into who we stand this week because it's about them um mm-hmm. and there's a moment in this film where they're they're leading themselves to like this this like lake river body of water that they know is there uh, and they find that because of the meteorite shower, it is no longer there, and they're all devastated. Um, however, there's kind of a moment where they realize that if they push down on the ground, water will emerge. Um, and as one of the larger dinosaurs does so, Zini opens his mouth, which is very unfortunate. Um, and he says, I always did like big girls. Ugh. Now, before we before <laughs> we um talk about who we stand i i would like to pitch zini as a true villain of this film mm-hmm. um because he is constantly derailing any bleak in in tiny hope this film had <laughs> of being not terrible and he says no i'm gonna make this a miserable experience for everyone involved just you wait he's horrible um <laughs> his motivation is to ruin everything and he does it successfully so i guess he's one of the more successful villains in disney history because he um i mean this movie was gonna tank itself let's be honest but he um 
<laughs> he lights the fuse, if you will. <laughs> oh, what a dreadful character. I I really can't it's... stand him. <laughs> yeah, no, and the worst thing is he can't even be re-redeemed by like being cute to look at. Yeah, he's hideous. And I th- they, they sort of play that as like a character trait as well of like, Oh, he he's like the he is the outcast and and all this sort of thing. And it's like, well, you know, Disney has taught us to. There's a literal song about it to to love the outcast. You know, we're not against being alongside the underdog or, you know, but at least, uh, I don't even know if it would be better if he was cute to look at. I think it would still be horrific. But just the fact yeah. that yeah, looks and sounds horrible. He has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I also like to read. So I, I've just, I've just googled um his IMDb quote page. Um, oh I just like to read a couple more before we move on because I, I really don't think I've done enough to highlight what a garbage <laughs> persona this character is. Um, this is at the beginning, like the first time. This is, this is our like first impression of him. He's like rehearsing his pickup lines, oh which are, "Hey, sweetie, if you'll be my bride, I'll groom you." Hmm. Girls, I'm known as the professor of love and school's in session. And then Aladar says, <laughs> I hope it's not contagious. And then Zini says, I'm a raging epidemic of romance. That's not funny, especially now. <laughs> <laughs> they knew. They should have known that 21 years later, this would not be funny because of coronavirus. Um, how dare they? I'm suing. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's a disgrace. There's no other way. He's, he's the worst character they've ever made. And we've yeah. talked about Flounder, so you know the the bottom. The... <laughs> not again. Flounder's not really. Flounder's not that bad. He's just. He's just. It's just. Yeah. This is the. This is the worst. Honestly, most of my notes are just like questioning Zini's existence and why they didn't kill him off. Because if anyone deserved death in this movie, <laughs> it's Zini. And and I just. I just. It's like the most upset I've been. I mean, it's not that long ago. It's the most upset I've been since a certain person voiced a character in Pocahontas because I don't it, he doesn't deserve to have his name said again mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he should have come back to this film because we know he loved killing minorities and he should have come back oh, and boy. wiped out Zini <laughs> oh no okay right I... <laughs> and before before we get sued let's move on to who we stand this week please um, <laughs> and honestly like I feel like these two characters were standing by default yeah um I like I I wrote um what did I write? Obviously we're standing insert name here because she's a beautiful old soul who just wants some water. Um <laughs> which is basically her whole personality. That's Ema of course and mm-hmm. there's also Baylene mm-hmm. uh who are our choices. I will say though I have a bit of a problem with Baylene, not a big one, a huge one. In why is she British? Because she's voiced by Joan Plowright, and I don't care. Yeah, that's great, but Sarah, why is there a British dinosaur? You know that makes no sense. I mean, I guess I guess we're supposed to suspend belief because there are already lemurs, so why not have one British dinosaur? They, they, they ugh, ugh, man. She doesn't, she's lovely, don't get me wrong. But, like, the fact that there's a British dinosaur requires, I think, the most significant suspension of belief in this whole movie. <laughs> I I will not hear a bad word said about my precious Baleen. Uh, but yeah, they are uh, two. They're lovely... at the end of the line. They're at the end of the straight line. They're they're slow and old dinosaurs. 
I and, like, relate. Aladar <laughs> connects with them. Yeah, me too. Me too. As as the person who was usually the, if we like ran in gym, I was usually either like third, last, second, last, or last. So hard relate to these people. I I get it. I vibe with them. I I unfortunately was a lot younger than these very old dinosaurs, but that's not relevant. <laughs> There's no need to talk about our gym abilities. Um, I'm I'm a tiny bit faster nowadays, although only a very tiny bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, Aladar. So Aladar is a main character, by the way. Um, he's so forgettable <laughs> that I, I basically. <laughs> no, he's completely forgettable and he's not worth talking about, but he is kind of like, he's very similar to like the traditional Renaissance protagonist mm-hmm. where he's just trying to like find his place in the world uh, and was kind of, he kind of grew up with a different group of people, the the lemurs, uh, and he doesn't really know any other dinosaurs until now. Um, but anyway, Aladar kind of bonds with them because he's con- he's determined to help them stay alive, even though they're at the back of the pack and will eventually be, you know, if this continues, they'll be the ones to go because they're going to be the raptors and the other dinosaurs will catch up to them and eat them. Um, but yeah, they're, they're sweet. Um, they're like, they're honestly, I feel like they're by default when I say by default, because they're the only ones who are likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was so when... like, congrats. <laughs> like, yeah. When this film started and before we met these two sweet little old ladies, I was really worried that for the first time in this podcast series history, that we were not going to have a character to stand. I was. I thought it. I was like, Sarah, are we just going to have to like randomly pick one from a list? What if it was Zini? Can you? Yeah. Imagine? No. 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 It, he would be at the very bottom of the list. I would. Pick... I'd rather stop podcasting for the rest of my life than say that I stand. <laughs> I would have picked uh, the Carnotaur on the left before I picked uh, Zini. <laughs> I would have picked like that one dinosaur, the one any dinosaur in the big crowd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, these, yeah, these are the best characters I think by by default. I do particularly like the vocal uh, performance of um, Della Reese, who is uh, oh, she's Ema. Ema. She's so great, and I just a nice southern lady who wants some water. Oh. It's, I mean, it's I I like water. <laughs> She's so sweet, and Baleen is really sweet as well, and I don't care that she's British because it's Joan Plowright, who is a national treasure, and I personally think it's really lovely that this old British lady and this old southern lady are just trotting along together at the back of the at the back of the herd. Like I feel like that will be me and you when we are pensioners and I can't I'm wait. The the jungle book wishes it could have a beautiful tale of inclusion like this. Right, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um shall we shall we um before we um save these people's ears, shall we should we talk a bit about um I guess quote unquote villains in this mm. movie because we always talk about villains that we people know we love our villains. They are our favorite part of of most movies. They can mm-hmm. make or break uh, a great movie. They can make a good movie great and they can make a a good movie or a, a bad movie watchable they can also do the opposite and, and if they're useless uh it's a lot less exciting to watch because there go the stakes um this movie doesn't really have that much of a villain mm. um there are some like other dinosaurs like there's carnotaurs and, and raptors that kind of chase them around um but i guess they they pose the main villain as as cron mm-hmm. um who is I actually have no idea who voices him. I, I honestly don't care. He, he barely has a, Samuel E. Wright. Samuel actually. E. Wright. He's, he's, 
He's great. Why have they got they? That's another thing, right? Alfred Woodard. Alfred Woodard is also in this. Um, Hayden yeah. Panettiere, when when she was young, is also in this. They 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 are very disrespectful to all these people to bring in considerable talent and make them voice people in this movie. Anyway, because they're, they're barely characters. Mm. I think that's that. Anyway, we've talked about that. Um, so Kron is the leader of the this dinosaur pack. Um, and really, like his his motivation is to get people alive and safely to, um, the what do they call it? Um, the nesting grounds. The nesting ground, yes. Yeah. They're basically their sanctuary, um, and the place that they will be able to safely live because there will be water and and grass, and they'll be able to survive. Um, and you know he takes a no nonsense approach because he's aware of the situation that other dinosaurs are coming after them, and if they keep resting, there more of them will be killed. Mm. Um, and when you get to this point in life and if there's nothing else and like the apocalypse is hit, there's only so much you can do to survive. And I don't think he really does anything wrong until the end where he like refuses to listen to logic. And, and, and I understand that. Um, but yeah, I, I, he's not a great, well, there, I can't, we, we've said it enough, but there are no good characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so by default, there is no good villain. And, I don't really buy him as much of a villain, and he's mm. definitely the most forgettable villain we've had to date, and we've had some very forgettable ones. Yeah, because he he's not he's not really a villain in the in the sense that we've seen. He is a bit a bit brutish and a bit sort of um, off with the other dinosaurs, and particularly with Aladar. So I think as he is the protagonist, and Kron is a bit you know brusque with him, then he's just like technically the antagonist yeah yeah but he 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 has a well, kind of an arc i guess not much of one where he by the end is perhaps sort of like realizing that you know uh aladar is is not you know all bad and actually he does you know sort of know what he's talking about but i don't know i felt i felt nothing when he died either so i just it wasn't he kind of reminded me a little bit of um what's the gorilla in tarzan um Kerchak? yes there we go i literally only just watched this film how could i forget um well no it was two careful, films ago it's fine <laughs> careful but um obviously Kerchak is much much better um okay. <laughs> but that that sort of like they're quite um i guess just just forthright and yeah right sort of you know that they're, they're they're the leader they're a strong leader they show their main their... thing is protecting their tribe right exactly yeah that's that's what i was getting at and but whereas yeah. in tarzan when kerchik dies it's honestly devastating um because he does sort of have this redemption arc and isn't really that bad in the beginning but with kron i was just kind of like okay he was there and now he's gone uh is this film over yeah. yet i would like to leave now um Please, please stop. And the the other dinosaurs, I because they don't talk as well. It's like the the carnotaurs and the raptors. They're just I perceive them as more of a threat than as a villain. They they don't have an arc. They're just hungry, vicious dinosaurs who were walking around trying to get their dinner. It's yeah. I don't really consider them as villain. But if we're sort of collectively saying Kron, the mm-hmm. carnotaurs and the raptors as the villains of this film, even though we know the true villain is Zini. Um, 100%. Then, absolutely, these are some of the worst uh, the worst and most forgettable villains, I think, in, in any Disney film, if you can even class them as a villain. 
Yeah, I think Dinosaur would have been more interesting if they went a whole new route and just made it a film about dinosaurs desperately trying to escape terrible jokes from an annoying lemur. <laughs> He's just chasing like after them. Just... Yeah, I mean, and realistically, it would probably be like a one minute short because dinosaurs can move a heck of a lot faster and, and farther mm-hmm. uh, than a lemur can. But you know what? I think that would be really fun. Well, I don't think it would be that fun, but I think it would be better than what we've seen in this. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, when people talk, you know, we've we, we're we're firmly in a new era now, uh, the post Renaissance. Some refer to it as the Dark Ages, and you can certainly see why they would refer to it as the Dark Ages and or like the bleakest time in Disney's history when you look at a movie like this. Yeah. Um, I will say for those listening who are concerned that it's only going to get worse, it doesn't. Um, it, in fact, next week it gets a whole lot brighter because mm-hmm. that is one heck of a movie. Uh, and there's there's some real gems in this decade, so do not panic, mm-hmm. do not fret. Uh, the dark it's always the darkest before <laughs> the dawn. Um, there are some other considerable dips, uh, but to me, uh, this is this. I'm, I'm gonna throw this out there. This is my new. This is my 39th favorite film that we've seen. Oh wow! I mm-hmm. I I in my list currently I have it third from bottom. But if the two were put in front of me now, I would pick watching make mine music over this so yeah i think i'm gonna switch it to second bottom but i would not watch fun and fancy free again because of those puppets so well, i would just watch neither of them ever again so that's fine <laughs> yeah i i always that's if i if i'm like struggling where to play something i'm like if these two films were put in front of me and i absolutely had to watch one of them which one would it be um and i wouldn't choose to watch dinosaur again sure but i still think fun and fancy free is worst i don't know that's I, i'm not gonna challenge you on that <laughs> that sounds good to me um is there anything else shall we shall i just pop through the the themes quickly yeah i yeah i don't think there's uh we've covered most of it i think i will just mention how great uh the score is again yes. um james newton howard is an incredible composer and how has he not won an oscar i mean i hope that this uh, if someone listening to this in the future, this podcast is now really out of date, and he's won like ten or something because, um, honestly, deserves it. Based on if you've not heard of him, I would be surprised. But just have a look at some of the scores that he has composed because he has composed so many good ones, and um, this is really great. I I really really liked the score in this. It was epic when it needed to be epic. It was emotional and tender when it needed to be as well, and. I just really liked it, and I think in a film that doesn't have a lot else going for it, it was really the thing that I gravitated towards. And yeah, it it absolutely is the um, saving grace of Mm, this film, mm -hmm. and gives you gives you more emotion than any of the characters do. A hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, it's it's the sort of score that I would see myself listening to outside of the context of the film as well i listen to scores quite a lot when i'm working and writing and stuff Mm -hmm. so this surprisingly would be one of the ones that i would sort of add to that list because i thought it was really quite beautiful Mm. i would also really like to hear that kate bush uh, song oh my gosh i know i I thought who would have ever thought kate bush song would be part of yeah the dinosaur i thought like surely if the, I mean, obviously it had been written for that sort of specific moment in the film, but surely like pop it in the credits or something, like give us something. But I guess yeah. they were they were probably just mad at her for not wanting for refusing to rewrite it, so they were like, fine, it's gone, it never happened. I think she knew. I think she saw the sinking ship and she was like, peace. I'm she out. saw Zini and she was like, no, I'm not, I'm not rewrite. She was gonna no, like ma'am. she wrote it before Zini, 
pre-zini and then post-zini when she saw that horrifying yeah. lemur she was like i'm not i'm not rewriting this i do not want to be involved i'm yeah. begging you to take me out of the soundtrack i don't want anyone to know <laughs> so apologies to kate bush for bringing this back yeah um yeah okay um this was this was fun um so the our, our four themes which we kind of have talked about and established as like quite central to all disney films at least a couple each time um, we have sidekicks, and I'm not talking about Zini anymore, but he's definitely a sidekick in this. Um, man in nature. Um, I, there are no men yet, um, <laughs> so it's difficult to say that this has anything to do with our relationship with nature because we're not we're not there yet. Uh, this is this is too early, simply too early. Um, absence of a parent though is absolutely there, and we see his uh mother die at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and. He has no parents, but he does get his surrogate family of lemurs. Um, which I will say, like, Pleo, who's Alfred Woodard, is is fine. Yeah. So that's something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, Suri, like, sounds cute, because it's, like, Hayden Panettiere as a child. So, like, that's that's cool, too, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good good for them. Um, and in Disney Death, there is no Disney Death, but there are, um, we see a number of dinosaurs die along the way. Um, it's basically implied that all the other lemurs are wiped out, except for a few of them um, that we have the pleasure of having through the whole film. Um, and we get actual deaths of both Bruton and or Bruton and Decron, both um, we see die. Mm-hmm. And Bruton, uh, we see quite a lot of blood as well, which is not common at all. So I was quite astonished to see like blood and gore in, in Disney. So that was a fun little bonus, I guess. Mm. yeah i think this film is another one that is um is a pg actually um i don't have the blu-ray in front of me to check but i think that's right um in which case yeah yeah it's it's this this film is bad and i'm (laughs) i'm it's disappointing because i feel like it could have been really cool and really different and really exciting but instead it's it's the plot is threadbare Mm. the the characters are so thin so thin um like thinner than like ones from like the wartime musical shorts Mm -hmm. like there's just nothing to them it's it's such a shame because it's a really strong voice cast um that do the best they possibly can with (laughs) very limited material um (laughs) it's just it's a shame because i i wish this film was better it at moments it looks one wonderful uh the environments are terrific uh it has moments the score is really strong uh, but it's just, it's just, uh, I mean, it's a failure. There's, mm-hmm. I don't really know any other way to say it. In my mind, anyway, it mm. is, it is an unfortunate failure. Yes, I, I agree uh, with all of that. I think it's, I, I'm even more down on it than I think I was when I watched it earlier. I'm already considering changing my, <laughs> changing my rating um, <laughs> because I'm just, I'm struggling now and I watched it a few hours ago, I'm struggling now to think about the things in it that would mean it gets the rating that I gave it. And I gave it a low rating of two, of two and a half, but I, I don't know. I'm thinking of putting that down. I can't, I can't justify why I would. I think I gave a star each for Ema and Baleen. Um, <laughs> and they deserve it. <laughs> two legends. Two legends who we stand. Um, I mean, I if think... the whole film was about them, I think that would actually also be more interesting because you don't get many films, especially a Disney film about like older ladies. I think would be would be really cool. A ten out it, of ten. It, has, it had a lot watch. of potential to do different and interesting things, and they chose to uh, ape the Land Before Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I'm not uh, suggesting that Disney should ever touch uh, this series again or give us a sequel or a remake or anything of the of the sort. But if they did, I would really like to see uh, a prequel or something that all the other characters have gone and it is just uh, Ema and Baleen just trotting about being too telling some jokes classy not disgusting jokes yeah i see them like um, on a porch in rocking chairs or something just like ha- maybe they're just reminiscing <laughs> about the old days i would love that even if it was just like a, te- a 10 minute short or something i would absolutely yeah. watch that um, I'm, I'm thrilled to say this will be my last thing i'm just thrilled <laughs> to say that there are we always talk about the sequels and adaptations there are none planned currently um and and there aren't any so hopefully fingers crossed this film can just stay where it is Mm -hmm. and they can leave us alone and do something new instead yeah (laughs) we'll just mention in our in our podcast notes uh under the section where we normally sort of write about the adaptations and sequels i just wrote please don't (laughs) fingers crossed it'll happen yeah i mean and by it'll happen i mean nothing will happen Uh, let's let's hope that nothing nothing happens that they disney don't listen to this and suddenly think hey those people really liked dinosaur (laughs) um yeah we don't we don't want a sequel we don't want an adaptation just no please stop um okay right (laughs) i think that is us for this week um so just making sure you're poised and ready as always barry to read uh some of these lovely people's names um heck yeah (laughs) so of course uh we want to say a huge thank you to our patreons um and they are chris wilson let there be light productions zoe baines daryl griffiths sam luck orla smith peter hodgkins andy megan fabiana rosas hamish calvert martin richmond manuel bento and per morton um so many thank yous to those guys um we really appreciate their support and I appreciate you, Barry, for reading some of the names out because I got to take a sip of water whilst (laughs) (laughs) you're so welcome. Uh, Rather than uh, having to catch my breath uh, because there's so many names now and that is great and we are really grateful um, to everyone who is a Patreon and you can find out. I guess as a co-host, like it's my duty to to also read them and and take pressure off you. Yes, (laughs) it is true. Um, Yeah, you can find out how to... uh, join these wonderful people and become a, a patreon on jump cuts website so please do that barry th- this has been fun the, the time that i have spent talking to you about this film has been considerably more enjoyable than the film itself so thank you i wasn't sure if we if we could do Would it survive. <laughs> but we've made it and uh very excited to report that things get considerably better for the next few weeks and i'm particularly looking forward to next week so um i think that'll be a fun one but um yeah if you want to tell uh the good people where they can find you on uh, twitter and elsewhere sure you can find me on twitter at b levitt l-e-v-i-t-t 93 uh and letterboxd at uh, b levitt yes indeedy and you can find me at sarah buddery on twitter and you can find all of us at jumpcast underscore you can check out all of our written reviews, features, interviews, news, and more at jumpcutonline.co.uk and go straight to jumpcutonline.co.uk forward slash jumpcast to find out where you can find all of our podcast episodes. The next Jumpcast episode will be dropping on Monday and we'll be back with a brand new Disney episode next Friday. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.